السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our Tafsir page by page and inshallah ta'ala today we are on page 48 which is towards the very end of Surah Al-Baqarah the third juz of the Quran uh, today's verse is a single verse on a single page it is the longest verse of the Quran and that is verse 282 of the Quran or of Surah Al-Baqarah uh, inshallah ta'ala I will read this verse and we will take it like segment by segment in terms of the recitation and the translation and then I will just mention a number of benefits from it uh, because there is a verse that speaks predominantly about a single issue and that is preserving the rights of others in terms of their financial rights and their rights of their possessions and so on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِذَا تَدَايَنْتُمْ بِدَيْنٍ إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ مُسَمَّنْ فَاكْتُبُوهُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O oh, you who believe when you contract a debt for a stated term, then put it down in writing. Have a scribe write it down justly between you. No scribe should refuse to write. Let him write as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught him. فَلْيَكْتُبْ وَلْيُمْلِ لِلَّذِي عَلَيْهِ الْحَقُّ وَلْيَتَّقِ اللَّهَ رَبَّهُ وَلَا يَبْخَسْ مِنْهُ شَيْئًا let the debtor dictate and let him fear Allah Azza wa Jal, his Lord, and not diminish the debt at all. فَإِن كَانَ الَّذِي عَلَيْهِ الْحَقُّ سَفِيهًا أَوْ ضَعِيفًا أَوْ لَا يَسْتَطِيعُ أَنْ يُمِلَّهُ وَفَلْيُمْلِ الْوَلِيُّهُ بِالْعَدْلِ If the debtor is feeble-minded, weak, or unable to dictate, then let his guardian dictate justly. وَاسْتَشْهِدُوا شَهِيدَيْنِ مِنْ رِجَالِكُمْ Calling two men as witnesses. فَإِن لَمْ يَكُونَا رَجُلَيْنِ فَرَجُلُوا وَامْرَأَتَانِ مِمَّنْ تَرْضَوْنَ مِنَ الشُّهَدَاءِ أَنْ تَضِلَّ إِحْدَاهُمَا أَنْ تَضِلَّ إِحْدَاهُمَا فَتُذَكِّرَ إِحْدَاهُمَا الْأُخْرَى If two men are not there, then call one man and two women out of those you approve as witnesses, so that if one of the two women should forget, the other may remind her. وَلَا يَأْبَ الشُّهَدَاءُ إِذَا مَا دُعُوا Let the witnesses not refuse when they are summoned. وَلَا تَسْأَمُوا أَن تَكْتُبُوهُ صَغِيرًا أَوْ كَبِيرًا إِلَىٰ أَجَلِهِ Do not disdain to write the debt down, be it small or large, along with the time it falls in due. ذَلِكُمْ أَقْصَطُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَأَقْوَمُ لِلشَّهَادَةِ وَأَدْنَا أَلَّا تَرْتَابُوا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this way it is more equitable in Allah's eyes, more reliable as testimony and more likely to prevent doubts arising between you. إِلَّا أَن تَكُونَ تِجَارَةً حَاضِرَةً تُدِيرُونَهَا بَيْنَكُمْ فَلَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ جُنَاحٌ أَلَّا تَكْتُبُوهَا But if the merchandise is there and you hand it over, there is no blame upon you if you do not write it down. وَأَشْهِدُوا إِذَا تَبَايَعَتُمْ 
to have witnesses present whenever you trade with one another. وَلَا وَلَا and let no harm be done either to the scribe or to the witnesses. For if you did cause them harm, then it would be a crime or a sin upon you. And then be mindful of Allah Azza wa Jal and He will teach you. Indeed, He has full knowledge of everything. This is, as we said, the longest verse in the Quran. And it consists of a number of benefits. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse tells us that one of the things that is permissible, because you'll remember in the previous episode we were speaking about riba and usury. And the fact that it is something which Allah has made haram and one of the main reasons for it being haram is because it is something which causes harm. It's something which doesn't embody the Islamic spirit of loving for others what you love for yourself, of helping one another, of being a community of Muslims that, that feel one another's pains and difficulties and so on, and therefore we try and try to help one another. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in this verse though, that doesn't mean that you can't give loans. Doesn't mean that you can't take a debt from someone else. What it means is that it must be done in accordance with the rulings of the Sharia. So if the debt is something which is done in a permissible way, what you're taking as a loan, what you're giving as a loan is something which is permissible. There is no usury that is being applied to it. It is a for fixed term, so we know exactly how long that debt is for and so on. These conditions are fulfilled, then there is something which Allah Azza wa has said, it is permissible. And so therefore that is something which is allowed. So therefore it is allowed for you to borrow money. It is something which you can do when you need to do it and if you need to do it. And as we said, the Sharia Jannah looks down and frowns upon people who take wealth simply for the purpose of taking wealth. They don't really need the money, but they just like to borrow. They just like it to be other people's money and so on. That is something which isn't good. And therefore it is something which a person must, um, you know, must stay away from. However, to take a genuine loan for a genuine reason, in accordance to the rulings of the Sharia is something which is permissible. One of the things that you must bear in mind when taking a loan is that it should be done for a fixed term, a set term that is announced. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, "Ila ajalim musamman to a fixed term that is stated. So I borrow a hundred pounds from Zaid, and I say to him, "I need it for one month." or I need it for six months, or I need it for one year, or I need it until the first day of Ramadan. I fix the time period so that therefore it is known. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that one of the greatest or most beneficial ways of preserving your rights is to write it down, to have a contract between you and the other person, especially if that other person is someone that you don't know, or that person is someone who may be a distant relative or a friend that's not very close, even if the person is your own blood brother, blood sister, someone who's very close to you, it is still a wise thing to do to write it down. And that is what Allah tells us to do. It is not an obligation. Sometimes it can become an obligation depending upon the situation. And if you fear that there may be some harm in terms of that wealth or someone may oppress you, then it is an obligation to write it down. But generally speaking, it is recommended in the Shia that you write it down. And so therefore you write down who was borrowing the money, who it's borrowed from, the amount, the time, and so on and so forth. Allah said this should be done between the two people, the one borrowing and the one from whom it is borrowed from. And it should be done in the way with adil, in a just way, in a fair way. And that is because sometimes one of the two people may not be very well educated. They may not be very well read or written. They can't really read and write very well. And sometimes the terms in that in that contract may be difficult for them to understand and to comprehend. They may not have a great deal of experience in terms of, you know, as we know now, sometimes you have contracts and there's pages and pages of footnotes or conditions or small print, all of that stuff. 
And when it's between two Muslims, it should be made very clear, and so it should be done with justice. The Prophet uh, Allah Azza wa tells us that to do so, it is from the greatest blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is from the blessings of Allah Azza wa Jalla because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah. You should write it down in the way that Allah has taught them. Allah gave you an education. Allah allowed you to understand how business and trade works. Allah Azza wa Jalla allowed you to read and write. Use those blessings in ways that are pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And from that writing Allah Azza wa Jalla is telling us is to write in a way that is clear. Write in a way that is clear write in a way that is it, it is distinct that there's no uh, there's no ambiguity in it write in a way that people both people know what the terms are if someone else was to come and read that contract it would be something which would be uh, it would be something which would be clear to them and something which they would be able to take from and to benefit from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that from the benefits of this also is that the one who writes if they are, or the one who is giving a debt or involved in this contract, if they're unable to write, they're unable to be one of the two signatories. For whatever reason, Allah Azza wa says, for example, they may be of feeble mind, or they may be weak and infirm, or they may be too young, under the age of maturity, or whatever it may be, or they just can't physically read or write. So maybe he's illiterate or she's illiterate, they can't read, they can't write, and you say to them, come and sign this contract, it's not fair. What does Allah Azza wa Jal say? Say, subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, then let the, let the one who is the guardian write for them. Let his guardian do this with justice. And that is also from the blessings of Allah Azza wa Jal and from the mercy of the Sharia. So, for example, I'm going to borrow money from someone who has wealth, they have money, but that person maybe is young. Eight years old, they inherited a great deal of money. They're willing to give it to me, but they don't really understand the contract. They don't really understand the nuances of this. It's not fair. It's not right that I go to an eight-year-old child and say, I'm going to take from you 10,000 pounds. And don't worry, I'll give it back to you in a few weeks or whatever. And they're like, yeah, it's okay. Because they don't really understand what money is. They don't really think that thousands of pounds makes it. For them, like a two-pound sweet or a five-pound chocolate is more than enough. And so they don't really understand the gravity of what they're engaging in. That's not just, it's not fair. Or you come to someone who's a feeble mind. For whatever reason, they don't really understand this concept. Well, someone who can't read and write and you say, yes, I'm going to borrow from you 100 pounds and then I add a couple of zeros. They don't really know. They don't really understand what's going on. And also from the ways that Allah then preserves our rights. And this is something which should be done when it comes to contracts, when it comes to these types of agreements. Have two male witnesses present. Allow them to witness and sign upon that contract as well. Because then they can ensure that both parties understand that there's clarity, that this person knows what they were getting into, that person knows what they're getting into. And so if ever it was to go to a Muslim judge, to a Muslim court, then they would be able to stand in front of that judge and take an oath by Allah's name and say, no, he knew that it was 10,000 pounds that he was giving. He knew that it was 10,000 pounds that he was taking. He knew that it was for six months and so did he. And so now for them to come and dispute these issues, that's something which they, you know, they've either forgotten or they're just pretending to forget, but that's a problem. And so therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that we should have these two witnesses. Shahidaini min rijalikum. Fa'illam yakuna rajulin. And if you can't find two men, and that's because sometimes people are traveling. Sometimes these types of contracts are done when people are traveling. And in the olden days, as we know, people would be out in the desert or they'd be traveling by land. Sometimes you're away from a great group or a number of people. or You don't come across a town or village except after a few days or after a week or so. And so during that time as you're traveling, maybe the only people in the party, the group that you have is one man and then some women. 
And so that one man can become one of the witnesses. Then if you can't find two men, take one man and take two women. And make them witnesses of that because if one of the women was to forget then the other one may may remember and that is something which we find within the sharia and something which the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned and that is that the uh, that when it comes to witnessing and being witnesses as part of contract and so on uh, two women take the place of one man or one man takes the place of two women what is also important to realize though is that this is in terms of the dunya aspects. This doesn't diminish a woman in terms of her standing before Allah her piety, her worship. Because the scholars have all agreed by ijma' of Islam that when it comes to Islamic issues, for example, her narrating hadith, her teaching and so on, then a woman is equal to a man in this regard. And that is why we take the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, of Umm Salama radiallahu anha, of Hafsa radiallahu anha, of many of the female companions that were at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The men never used to come, the male companions or the scholars who came after never said, oh Aisha narrated this, so we can't take the hadith until Hafsa says something similar, or Umm Salama or some other female companion or Sma radiallahu anha comes and she says that I can corroborate this, or two men come, no, that's not the way that it worked when it came to these types of issues and so that's something which should be that we should bear in mind those things those issues that Allah has made a woman require or us requiring two women in place of a man it's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best as the creator how a person can focus how what a person can remember how testimony should be done in terms of the sharia law which is dictated and legislated by Allah as we can see this is a verse of the Quran it's not me saying this or some other scholar or someone coming. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala legislated this. To accept this is something therefore which is incumbent upon every Muslim. But to also understand that this is of a lesser issue than what is more important. This isn't about a woman being deficient or being less in Islam or not being given her rights. Because we as Muslims consider this to be of a lesser issue, less less important than the issue of narrating the hadith, for example, of the Prophet ﷺ, or teaching Quran by riwayah. That you go to a teacher who teaches you Quran and says that I heard this from my teacher, or this is the way that I recite the Quran to my teacher, and you have an ijazah that goes all the way back to the Prophet. ﷺ. Those issues a woman is equal to a man in that regard. And the scholars have always done this. And so therefore that is something which should be always remembered and should be borne in mind. And we shouldn't allow people to come and to hijack our religion or to manipulate it or to twist it and to make certain assumptions about it that are far from, far from the reality that Allah has placed therein. Also from the benefits therefore we take that if someone in amongst the witnesses forget, then the other one can prompt them. So we have this contract now. We have the two people that are involved. It's been written down. We have the witnesses. Sometimes one witness forgets and that's why the Sharia stipulates that you have more than one. doesn't say you just have one witness because sometimes a witness may pass away. Sometimes the witness may become old themselves. They may become forgetful. When you have two and both of them corroborate one and the same thing, then it, it is more likely that it is to be of a sure thing. From the benefits of this is that Allah says that if you as a witness are called forward to testify, then you shouldn't refuse. Unless you have a valid, good reason to do so, you shouldn't refuse. And that is because as Muslims, we want the people to take their due rights. We want to help our fellow brothers and sisters. If I refuse to be a witness, you refuse, everyone refuses, then that's going to be a problem in terms of society. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
then says, and don't disdain, don't look down upon any contract because it's too big or too small. You may think, oh, this is only for a hundred pounds. You don't need a contract of that. But how many families have split over that one hundred pounds? How many families have broken apart because of the smallest piece of land or the smallest issue that they had a misunderstanding or a disagreement over? Allah Azza just says, don't disdain this. Because that is more equitable, more just in the sight of Allah, better in terms of your testimony, and it is closer that you may not then for therefore fall into doubt. Allah says, however, there is an exception to this, and that is so generally we're saying every type of transaction should be written down. So when I want a debt, I should write it down. If I want to go and buy something, I'm buying a car, you know, as, as we do even in, in, in normal everyday life, even the UK law and Western law and so on, it's very common that you're going to get a receipt or an invoice or some type of a written contract when you buy something like a car or something else. That's the way Allah is saying that is better for you. So if someone comes and says, where did you get that car from? Where did you get that phone from? You pull it out and you say, that's my receipt. That's my contract. That's what I signed upon. That's what we agreed upon. And therefore there is no doubt. However, Allah says that Islam is a practical religion. But sometimes there and then you want to buy something, you don't have the ability to write down, you can't find witnesses, or it's not something which you necessarily need witnesses for because it's so small in terms of the amount. You go shopping, you know, you go and buy just something very small or, or it's done at a time when you can't find other people and you need to engage in that transaction here and now. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ جُنَاحٌ أَلَّا تَكْتُبُوهَا then there is no harm if you don't write it down. But you should always have witnesses. So even if you're not going to write it down, at least have witnesses. And that is always the best and the safe thing that you should have. Allah says, the one who is the scribe should not be harmed. Nor should the witnesses who are being called to testify be harmed in any way. You shouldn't intimidate them. You shouldn't harm them. You shouldn't try to do anything So, to in order to change the contract. So someone goes to the witness and says, I know that I took 10,000 pounds from that person, but tell him it's 1,000. Say that no, it's actually 1,000. That's what I heard. And maybe they just wrote it down incorrectly. It was an error in terms of a, you know, a, a typing error or something. And actually it's 1,000. And I'll give you some of that money and whatever. This is something which is a harm towards the one who is now in debt. Or... You just try to intimidate the witness because you're trying to get something that is not from your rights or whatever it may be. Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying these people should not be harmed. They are fulfilling a voluntary role out of the goodness of their hearts. And someone who does something out of the goodness of their hearts, then those are people who shouldn't be harmed. And from therefore the etiquettes of this, as some of the scholars mentioned, is that if someone is to, as Allah Azza wa Jalla says in the Quran, مَا عَلَى الْمُحْسِنِينَ مِنْ سَبِيلِ you have no rights over those who are voluntarily helping you. No expectations. So if someone now needs to come to be a witness for you, and you say to them, oh, I need you to testify for me, but I need you to go to London, and they're in Manchester, or they're in Manchester, or in London, and you say, no, you need to go to Manchester, or they're in the UK, and you say, no, but I need you to go to Pakistan, or to Somalia, or to the US, or wherever it may be, then surely from the etiquette of not harming them is that you provide their expenses for them. So yes, Allah Azza wa Jal says that they shouldn't refuse. The one who is a witness shouldn't refuse to testify. But Allah Azza wa Jal says also, don't harm them. And if now they have to pay thousands of pounds or hundreds of pounds in order to fulfill what is something for you, 
then it is from the etiquette of not harming them that you at least fill, fulfill their expenses for what is a benefit for you and not necessarily for them. They don't take anything from it. They're not engaged in the transaction. They didn't borrow the money or going to give the money back or receive the money. They're just simply there fulfilling a role as your fellow Muslim brother or sister. And so therefore, you don't harm them in any way, shape or form. But if you do so, Allah says, then that is a crime upon you, meaning it is a sin upon you. And fear Allah and Allah will teach you. Allah will give you knowledge. And the scholars derived from this end of the end of this verse that one of the greatest ways of seeking knowledge one of the most amazing best ways of seeking beneficial knowledge is that you have the fear of Allah before you that you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you're conscious of Allah and if you have the taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then Allah will teach you Allah will increase you in knowledge and Allah will bless you indeed Allah he says as he concludes this verse wallahu bi kulli shay'in alim indeed Allah has knowledge over all things so this is an example, it is the longest verse of the Qur'an and it is an example of the beauty of the Sharia. That Allah Azza went into this level of detail and this intricacy when it comes to preserving rights and helping one another. And this is the difference between our contracts and our transactions in Islam as opposed to those contracts and transactions that are not from the Sharia. It is all built upon, uh, upon helping one another, assisting one another. And yes, you can make a legitimate profit and make money and be wealthy if Allah Azza has decreed that for you and you can do it in a halal way, there's no problem. But you don't do it on the backs of others, harming others, oppressing others, uh, trodding down upon others. That's not the way that the Sharia works and nor is it something which is best uh, beloved to Allah Azza wa because as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the last verse that we mentioned or discussed in the previous episode, we should fear the day that we return to our Lord and that Allah Azza wa will hold us to account for our sins. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us and may Allah Azza wa keep us safe and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us from that which is haram and that which is doubtful and always guide us to that which is beloved to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim